This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Well, amen. The, the Czech Republic um, is not far from Romania, where many of you have gone. And when we, we go, we're generally with uh, Daniel Bird, one of our missionaries. Uh, I've heard he's here today. Are you here, brother? Where are you? There you are. Welcome, man. Hey. <laughs> we love this guy, and uh, he, w- he would give you testimony today. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering makes an incredible difference in just enabling our people to go around the world um, with, the, with the gospel of Christ. So today we're going to begin a new series. It's called Characters of Christmas. What we're going to do today, the next couple of Sundays and on Christmas Eve, is we're going to look at some different characters in the story of Christmas. And so today we're going to look at the wise men. Seeking the King. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12. If you'll turn there in your copy of of God's Word. And let's look at it together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Father, as we come before your word today, as we prepare to to dig into it, we, we pray that your spirit would open our minds and our hearts to understand it and to savor it and to apply it. Um, and prepare our, our hearts just as, as these came forward, bringing gifts to the, the king. Um, prepare us to do that later in this service. 
And Lord, use this text um, today to, to cause us to, to seek you with all of our hearts during the season of Advent. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> it was about last time this year that I got into the, uh, the series, uh, the, the Crown on Netflix. And I was definitely late to the party with The Crown because this has been out like several years, but we didn't even get Netflix until about a year ago. And, and, and when we got it, uh, that was one of the first things I wanted to, to see because I, 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 I love history. And I was just kind of fascinated by the buzz that was around this series, which was really interesting because you know, uh, Americans getting into royals, we were the ones who rebelled against the, against the crown. And our rebellion against the British king brought about our political freedom. But you know what? Our rebellion against the king of kings brings about spiritual slavery, bondage to sin. But that very king that we rebelled against that, that very king came from heaven to earth to save us and died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead that we can have eternal life. And throughout the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew is really stressing the kingship of Jesus. All the way from the beginning of Matthew with the genealogy where Jesus is presented as the rightful heir to David's throne, right through to the very end of Matthew when Jesus gives the great commission and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. From beginning to end, Matthew stresses the kingship of Jesus. And we see that in the story of these wise men who came seeking the king. So what do we see here in this text? First of all, we see something about worshiping the true king. Worshiping the true king. Let's look at verses one and two. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. There's so much to unpack here in these verses. First of all, Bethlehem in verse 1 is loaded with prophetic significance. Uh, it was where King David was born and raised. And of course, God made a covenant with David, the Davidic covenant, that one day one of his descendants was going to sit on the throne, and not just any throne, but that it was going to be, one of his descendants would be on a forever throne. He would be a forever king. And of course, that covenant, that promise was fulfilled in Jesus. And, and, we, and we, we, we see that promise in 2 Samuel seven sixteen, where God says to David, your house and kingdom will endure before me forever and your throne will be established forever. And so in the birth narratives about Jesus, and especially in Luke 1, we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of this covenant promise. Luke 1, 31 through 33, the angel says to Mary, now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him, what? The throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So Jesus is the fulfillment of those promises to David, and he's born in the city of David, Bethlehem. We see also here in verse 1 that Matthew stresses that this happens in the days of King Herod. And so throughout this passage, Matthew is contrasting two kings. The, the real king, Jesus, with the false king, Herod. The king of love with the king of hate. The master of Christmas with the monster of Christmas. Let's talk a little bit about that monster, King Herod. He was born in 73 BC and was, was made king of Judea by the Roman Senate in 40 BC. And so he's not, he's not born king. His kingship is conferred on him by the pagans. So Jews were always going to look with suspicion uh, at, at Herod for that reason. His title is conferred on him by the Roman Senate in 40 BC. And by 37 BC, he had crushed all opposition. Herod was a gifted politician. He was an excellent administrator. He was a great builder. He taxed people like crazy for his building projects. Uh, among those projects was the great uh, temple that was looming over Jerusalem at that point. Um, Herod was also cruel. He was power mad. He was incredibly paranoid, ruthless. The day that he died, he left instructions for hundreds of Jewish leaders to be murdered. He had one of his favorite wives murdered, and infamously, he had two of his, of his own sons murdered, which led the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, to famously say, I, I would rather be uh, Herod's pig than Herod's son. I mean, this is who we are talking about here. And, and, and Herod's ruthlessness and hostility to Jesus is really telegraphing the, the opposition and the suffering that Jesus is going to, to go through later on. Also in verse 1 here, we're introduced to wise men from the east. Now, there's lots of, of intrigue and mystery about the wise men. It's magoi in Greek, sometimes translated as, as magi. Um, and that term really covers a wide variety of individuals in the ancient world. Generally, it was people who were, were really into um, stars and astrology, dreams, um, prophetic writings, and some of, the, some of the, the magi in the ancient world were just charlatans, just con men. But some were, were genuinely seeking the truth. And that was the case with, with these wise men who, who came to, to, to worship Jesus. Tr traditionally, um, there are three of them, and it might have been three. Um, certainly nothing wrong with our nativity sets having Three, but the, the way that we get the number three is because they bring three gifts. They're sometimes referred to as kings. 
The text doesn't refer to them as kings, but that may not be far off because most magi were tied to royal courts. And so whether they were kings or not, they were probably representing kings and traveling at the behest of kings. And it says that they were from the east, probably Persia. Now this is fascinating because we just went through Esther, which takes place in Persia. So in Persia, you've got this this community of Jewish exiles, people like Esther and, and Mordecai. And so in Persia, you had for generations the the Jewish scriptures that were there. And so these Persians, and especially these learned members of the Persian court, certainly would have been familiar with the Old Testament. And that's obviously the case with these magi. They have been exposed to the scriptures probably through the influence of Jewish exiles. And that's a, that's a great lesson, especially for today, with our, our in-gathering for missions, because here's the thing. Wherever God's people go in the world, with the word of God, wherever we've gone, with, with God's word, and we've built relationships, and we've learned language, people have come to Christ. And so these wise men have probably been exposed to the truth, to the Jewish scriptures, because, you know, God's people were there and they were exposed to the the scriptures that way. And so they come and and verse 2 says they, they arrive in Jerusalem and they're asking the question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now notice here, they do not ask Where is the one who will become king of the Jews? They ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Jesus is born king. Unlike Herod, whose title was conferred on him later on, Jesus is born king. Jesus is the rightful king. And they say here in verse 2, for we saw his star at its rising. Now, this is interesting. Um, Is the Bible here, you know, condoning astrology or something? Uh, No. In fact, the Old Testament uh, condemns astrology. It kind of mocks astrologers in, in a couple of different places in the Old Testament. But listen, this says something about our God. God in his grace meets people where they are. How many of us had, you know, perfect, pristine theology and knowledge of the scriptures when we came to Christ? Not many of us, if if any of us, right? Um, God in his grace meets people where they are, and this is the irony of this, and this is at the heart of this story. There's a great irony here. And that is that, that these guys, these, these wise men from the east, who were Gentiles, are, are willing to drop everything and expose themselves to the hardships and the danger of travel in the ancient world because they are so passionate 
about seeking the king when those who were in Israel, who were right there under the king's nose, who were right there, meant most of them are not seeking him at all. New Testament scholar D.A. Carson says this, Matthew contrasts the eagerness of the Magi to worship Jesus despite their limited knowledge with the apathy of the Jewish leaders and the hostility of Herod's court, all of whom had the scriptures to inform them. And see, this is telegraphing another theme that we see in the Gospels. The, 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 it's, it's, it's the outsiders the outsiders are, are, are getting it. The outsiders are open to the truth and seeking the truth, while many of the insiders were not seeking Jesus at all. And, and again, this tells us something about God's heart for the lost. God's, God's heart for those who are in spiritual darkness, for you know, the, the, the outsider for the nations, for the Gentiles. And it's the fulfillment of prophecy. Isaiah 9 and verse 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Isaiah 60 in verse 3, nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. God's heart for those who were outside is seen in these Gentiles coming to the light. The nations coming to the light, right? That's, that's what that's what our in-gathering is all about today. And what do they say here in, in, in verse 2? They say, we saw, we saw a star at its rising and have come to worship him. Now, did these guys have everything put together, all the intricacies about what the divinity of Christ is all about and the Trinity and, 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 and all of that? <laughs> Probably not. They were worshiping more than they knew. How much more should we who had the scriptures, come and worship him. Worshiping the true king. Second, exposing the false king. Exposing the false king. Verses three and four. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. Now, if Herod had been a genuine Jewish believer, he would have rejoiced at this news, but instead, he is deeply disturbed. And the word here really means it's terrified. He is terrified at, at this, threatened by, by this, because he did not believe. Verses five and six, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, the answer here as to where Jesus will be born um, is a combination of a couple of scriptures. It's a combination of Micah 5.2 and also 2 Samuel 5.2. And in the prophecy of, of Micah, 
the prophecy there is that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, that from you, Bethlehem, will come one who will be ruler of Israel. And then in 2 Samuel 5-2, the prophecy there is that this figure, this messianic figure, will be both ruler and shepherd. And so Jesus fulfills both of those roles. Jesus is the ruler that Herod was not. And Jesus was the shepherd that the Jewish re- religious leaders were not. He is, he is both king and shepherd. Let, let Jesus rule your life today. Take your hands off of the controls and let him lead. Let him rule and reign in your life and let him shepherd you. He will care for you as a tender, compassionate shepherd. Let him care for you and lead you and provide for you as a good shepherd does. Jesus fulfills all of these promises. They're all coming together in him. Verses 7 and 8, Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. Well, of course, this just drips with cynicism and hypocrisy. Herod's true intent was not to worship Jesus, but to murder Jesus. And we know that from what happens later in the chapter. If you look in your Bibles at verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. And again, this is telegraphing the suffering and the opposition and the hostility that is going to be coming toward Jesus. And then again, it's also really the fulfillment of prophecies like Psalm 2 and verses 1 and 2, which says, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and his anointed one. But they will not succeed. The third thing that we see here in this text is giving to the true king. Giving to the true king. Verses 9 and 10. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, They were overwhelmed with joy. And so the Magi leave evil Herod's presence and immediately they see this light and they recognize it. The same star that they had seen initially when they began to seek Jesus. There it is again. And this just brings their emotion alive here. It says they were just overwhelmed with joy. They, They knew what this meant. And it leads them to the exact place where Jesus is. And it says in verses 11 and 12, entering the house, 
They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. So they enter into this house where Jesus is, and what's, what do they do? Instantly, instantly, they fall to their knees. I mean, this is the Spirit of God. This is the Spirit of God re- revealing to him that th- this, this baby is, 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 is worthy of worship. Dan Darling says this so powerfully, they had followed the stars and now they worshiped the one who hung the stars. Look at verses 11 and, and 12 again. It says, when they saw the child with Mary his mother and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, which is befitting of royalty, frankincense and myrrh, which were precious spices, both from, extracted from the, the bark of trees, and incredibly valuable in the ancient world. So the picture that you have here is these Gentiles coming before Jesus and bowing down before him and giving their best, giving something that was precious, giving something of incredible value because they so want to honor him. He is worthy of honor and worship. And so there's this beautiful picture of the fulfillment of these Old Testament prophecies and the nations coming. The nations coming, outsiders coming. The nations coming, those who have been in darkness, who have seen the light, are coming and giving their best to Jesus. Again, you see all of these Old Testament prophecies just just flooding together in this moment. Isaiah 60 and verse 6, caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah, all of them will come from Sheba. They will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. Psalm 72, 8 and following, may he rule from sea to sea. From the Euphrates to the ends of the earth, may desert tribes kneel before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coast and the islands bring tribute. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. Let all kings bow in homage to him. All nations serve him. All nations serve him joyfully. Joyfully. Psalm 67 May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he he make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. How will it be so? How will it be so? How will the nations be glad? How will the nations serve him and rejoice and shout for joy when the good news of the gospel reaches them, when they hear about the Savior? And today, we have that opportunity to send people to the nations that the nations would be 
glad. Let's pray together. Father, as we um, come before you now, we, <clears throat> we thank you for this precious part of the Christmas story. Thank you for your work in the hearts of these men who, who came bringing gifts to you. And Lord, now as we have the opportunity to, to do that, Lord, help us to bring our best. Help us to bring that which is of value so that we can honor you and, and we, can, we can honor you by giving so that your great name and the good news about you can be taken around the world to men and women and boys and girls who have little access or no access apart from someone from the outside coming and sharing that good news. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use what is given now to send missionaries to the field, to be able to keep them on the field, that you would use it to enable them to do ministry to people who are there, who have all kinds of different needs in their lives, and the ultimate need of, of Jesus. And so, Lord, would you use this time, Lord, make it as we come forward with our gifts, Lord, make, make this um, a time when your spirit is moving in our hearts, even as our, our feet are moving toward the altar, we, we pray that your spirit would move and work in our, in our hearts, Lord, draw us close to you, um, fill us with a passion for your glory among the nations, for the light of Christ shining around the world. And it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. 